This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to a Wednesday Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or as the captain of my Tuesday night bowling league calls me, the Fintern. Joe and OG are out trying to return wrapping paper scraps to the store. There's frugal, but I'm not sure what this is. Insane? Probably. But if you know the show, there's no way you're surprised. But surprising for all of us, I was able to reach back into the Wayback Machine and find our episode from this time five years ago. It was called The Two Guys in Your Money Show back then, and had a little different feel, but it was the first year Joe did his What Did We Learn This Year episode, and I thought it'd be fun to have a look back on what we would have learned from 2013. Our guest was Human Resources Pro and big-time blogger Lori Rudiman. She'll share her best advice from that year, as will some of our favorite bloggers from around the personal finance space. As I mentioned, this episode is five years old, so disregard anything you hear about giveaways or investments. Fintern out. Hey, welcome to the last episode of 2012. We got an awesome show for you today. Lori Rudiman from Punk Rock HR, formerly, and now from thecynicalgirl.com, joins us. Uh, she's going to talk about making money in 2013 and what we should have learned in the world of making money in 2012. Then we have a bunch of our blogger friends from around the internet. We thought this would be fun. We got them together to tell you their biggest learnings from 2012. That's the episode today. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. 
live from my parents' festive New Year's basement. This is the Two Guys in Your Money Show. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe, and with my partner in crime, the other guy, we operate a super secret financial website called The Free Financial Advisor, and that's where you'll find notes for our show. Send all emails to joe at thefreefinancialadvisor.com. And while mom and dad are having a party upstairs, we're partying in the basement. I wanted to get one of those like uh, uh, noisemaker things that were like, you know, the, yeah. We should just do that. Just, we're all going to sing Auld Lang Syne tonight before we uh, sign off. Is that what's going to be in the uh, after show? No, you know, the first thing we're going to, what's an after show? I don't know. The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to hand people a free 50 bucks. How about that? (laughs) Hell yes. Because this show is sponsored by ING Direct. No fees, no minimums, competitive interest, and $50 of free money for opening an account. Visit thefreefinancialadvisor.com, ING50 for details. And by the way, ING uh, is changing their name. They were purchased by Capital One, so that's going to be a Capital One 360 account. And it's still $50. So if you're a nincompoop and you still have not done the five seconds of work to put $10 into an account to get $50 in 50 days, what are you, waiting you for? are a fool. Take your $50, man. It's 50 bucks. Hey, speaking of fools, let's have some New Year's fun and talk back at, at uh, 2012. Talk back at 2012? How about if talk we... Talk back. Look, yeah. Can we look back at it? 2012, are you talking back to me? What? Stop it. Don't talk Stop back it. to me. Yes. I am your... I'll tell you what, 2012, I'm over you. Uh, instead, let's talk about CNN Money's dumbest moments of 2012, because you're going to love these. I want to avoid some of the easy ones, like the whole fiscal cliff thing about how Republicans and Democrats are... Uh, and hopefully, by the time this show uh, you know, airs, that that's taken care of. But whether or not it's so, still... Though. What a train wreck. I, I don't think so. I don't know. I saw in the news yesterday. We're obviously recording this a little early. But I saw in the news yesterday, the House has recessed for, for, the, for the break. They're, they're all home. It is fantastic, and we'll we'll skip things like Facebook, uh, you know, the Facebook IPO. Uh, but I've got uh, ten good ones that that are just fantastic. Uh, that are stupid things from twenty twelve. Yeah, these are Joe's favorite ten of the CNN Money Top Thirty. So my number ten is the Apple Maps. Do you lead? Do you use Apple Maps? Hells no. <laughs> Apple Maps. They released that with the new iPhone five. Right. And they have maps going nowhere. And and Google just released their Google Maps. And it was the number one download on the Apple Store. Right. So <laughs> that ought to tell you something. My number nine, Yahoo CEO Scott Thompson. You know, it's okay to say that maybe you took a few computer science courses. Right. But when you decide to say computer science major on right. your resume, that might get you yeah. in trouble. Um, my degree is in computer science. Or... Not, but yeah, might might have still be might have just been accounting, and if you said accounting, you might have been okay. Initially, that made Yahoo look really silly because who doesn't vet their CEO? (laughs) I I mean, if you're going to have a guy run your company, don't you think you'd look at his resume? Yeah, but what kind of idiot is going to just completely fabricate? Like, maybe it's just the problem was like he screwed it up like day one when he first got to Yahoo. He kind of embellished it a little bit. And then as he kept on getting promoted, they just kept on using the same resume. And, and finally, they get, he's like, ah, oh, crap. Now what am I going to do? What do I say? Up. When do I bring this up? Yeah, when do I bring it up? 
Right. Uh, you shouldn't have done it in the first place, idiot. That ended up being better for Yahoo anyway, getting uh, Marissa Meyer from uh, Google. Oh, yeah. Uh, that ended up being a better deal for them, I think. I mean, the proof will be coming, right? How about the time earlier this year when Google decided, and actually it wasn't Google, it was somebody at R.R. Donnelly, accidentally pressed the go-ahead and send out the financial report four hours early. Uh, that created right. a problem. And in fact, there was uh-huh. this big spot in the report that had this big uh, all caps where it said – The pending CEO approval or something like that? Pending CEO approval or something mm. like that or waiting for his boiler – Waiting p- for his sign-off or something right. like that. Waiting for the boilerplate message. Of course, then Twitter is all kinds of boilerplate messages that should have gone there like <laughs> – Somehow I'll find a way to blame this on Apple Maps. <laughs> or, you know, the problems everybody has with Google and Facebook and privacy and all this stuff. Man, our privacy was way violated today. <laughs> <laughs> and how about this is a comment from Google CEO. Well, to be fair, we released earnings yesterday afternoon on Google Plus, but nobody <laughs> noticed. My number... Six on their list of the 10 dumbest moments from 2012 in business. Listen to this one, OG. Kraft spun off their snack division and called it Mondelez. And Monde, which is Latin for world, and Delize was short for delicious. How much money do you think they paid some firm, right, to come up with that kind of name? Uh, I'm going to say about about a million and a half dollars too much. Yeah. What's wrong with calling it Craft Snacks? And and doesn't it take forever for them to come up with a name? Well, they came up with this name Mondelez, uh, first half world, second half short for delicious. It turns out it's also pretty close to a Russian phrase describing a sex act. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Luckily, there's Craft Snacks Mondelez, which they kept the name. Has no, they're not using it in any packaging. It's just the umbrella name. So uh, we don't have to get that embarrassment anymore. So I should ask my wife tonight if she wants to Mondelez. I don't even know. And what when it, she goes, she goes, what does that mean? I'm like, it's mean to have an Oreo. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, come on. Easy, cowboy. Right. I haven't seen this stuff, but the fact that it sounds <laughs> like uh, I, must be, I must be doing pretty good if you're uh, cracking up. Oh, goodness. Um, and as you might be able to tell, I've got a quite a cold going on here, OG. Wow. The uh, hold on, let me get the world's tiniest violin player for you. Thank you. You've heard of buy low, sell high, of yeah, course. Yeah. We've all heard of buy low, sell high. Somebody should have taught Zynga buy low, sell high instead of why don't we buy the really hot hyped product at the one time when everybody's playing it, maybe three weeks before everybody in the world stops playing it. <laughs> right. Zynga bought draw something this year. And uh, so far has lost, what, uh, $96 million, according to uh, CNN Money. Why in the heck don't you and I come up with some tr- very short-term trendy app? And just dump it. Oh, I've, oh got a, God. I've got a good app coming up for you. This one's great. But before we get to that, in fact, that one, uh, getting into that world, uh, KitchenAid had a PR nightmare this year. During one of the debates, somebody from KitchenAid got on Twitter and wrote, Obama's grandma even knew it was going to be bad. She died three days before he became president. Wow. You can't take that stuff back. Wow. Yeah. That, Unsend. Uh, Unsend. Yeah. It's like the commercial where the dude runs around and smashes everybody's computers. 
after he hits reply to all. Once it goes on Twitter, it is gone. Gone. I think somebody probably lost their job on that one. Speaking of lost their job, Best Buy said this employee lost their job. Uh, customer Rick Dewberry this year uh, dropped off his phone for service at Best Buy and accidentally left his Facebook app open, OG. So this employee, who was a little bored, uh, wrote this on his Facebook status. I am gay. I'm coming out. And Mr. Dewberry, who is straight, (laughs) had some explaining to do about the fact that he is not personally gay and was not coming out. Best Buy originally said that that they'd fired the employee. And then Best Buy Corporate got involved and said no comment, according once again to CNN Money here. But you'd think that Best Buy, with all just the horrible press they've had lately and how they're, they're just terrible, right? oh, they're getting beaten up nonstop. How can they let that happen? Or at least not handle it better? Because it's a nineteen year old. Well that's t- yeah, that's true. That's what it is. It's a nineteen year old who just got a hold of some dude's phone. Well hopefully this one wasn't a nineteen year old, but it's the kind of thing that my seventeen year old would do. Microsoft agreed in two thousand nine to let users choose which browser in Europe that they would use. They agreed with the EU to a settlement saying that they would put something on all of their uh, new computer uh, operating systems that said that you can choose which browser you want. Well, okay. when they sent Makes out sense. when they sent out the new stuff, whoever was in charge of that forgot to actually give people that choice. Big news in 2012 mm-hmm. that ended up being 7 billion dollars the eu is looking for in fines and they're currently negotiating how much that's going to be uh for hmm. violating that hmm. stupid is as stupid does i guess huh <laughs> it just gets dumber listen to this one on the political campaign somebody from the romney campaign had the great idea of let's make an iphone app so they created this great oh, app. oh money were you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Where you could take pictures of yourself with campaign slogans and go America and things like that. Well, here was the best one. This was their best phrase. Below your picture, you had a phrase that said, a better A-M-E-R-C-I-A. America. A better Mercia. (laughs) Somebody needed to do a little spell check before they released the app. Yeah. Uh, Just a couple more here. Actually, this is the last one. And this is, by the way, my favorite one. This is the only one on this whole list I told my wife about OG because this is awesome. So the new iPad mini was coming out in 2012. Right. Doc Worker gets the awesome idea. Let's steal a pallet of these babies, right? Hell yes. A pallet of those things is worth, reported, according to this story, about a million dollars. Say about a million bucks, right? And uh, he actually stole them. But you know how they found him? They found him because all afternoon before the shipment came on, there was one guy walking around the docks at uh, JFK going, when's the shipment of iPad minis coming in and where can I get a forklift? (laughs) (laughs) You got to send somebody else out there maybe. You can't make that up. You got to... If you have that idea, you have to to be the mastermind, like the puppet master from behind the scenes, (laughs) don't you? You don't want to be the same guy. The same guy coming up with the idea shouldn't be the same guy who's driving the forklift. No, not in any heist anyway. I mean, look at Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, absolutely. Got to work it. I'm I'm sad 2012 is over because we won't have any more of these to put 2012 on. This is Jay Money from Budgets Are Sexy, and you're listening to Two Guys and Your Money.
Well, I'm really excited, OG. We have joining us in the basement, Lori Rudiman. You and I later on, we're going to talk about protecting your money, but Lori's an expert in the world of making money. So how about that in the world of work? Let's talk about work in 2012 and in 2000, what she expects for 2013. Yes. Well, to call Lori Rudiman a human dynamo, I think would be an understatement. She created and retired the popular website Punk Rock HR. She's an advocate for great work environments, helps individuals focus on the right skills to get hired, and often, which you're going to find out here, has views that aren't exactly what you'd expect. Currently, you'll find her at thecynicalgirl.com, among, of course, about a thousand other places. Lori, welcome to the basement. In the late 1990s, this guy, management guru Tom Peters, said that we were going into this free agent nation, right, where we're no longer beholden to big companies and we shouldn't even think about working forever with one firm. Yet in a 2011 interview, you said that still wasn't the case yet and there are great jobs out there for people looking long term. So here it is now, end of 2012. Are we there now? Is it, is it now a free agent free for all? I hope not. So first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. It's nice to meet you and your listeners. And I will tell you that free agency is still one of the most depressing aspects of our whole employment landscape out there. Most people who are in a free agency perspective are people who have burnt out from all of their opportunities and have leveraged all their relationships. And for some reason, whatever reason that is, cannot get hired into a full-time role. And I think, you know, Tom Peters has a really interesting perspective, but he is also a successful, wealthy, upper middle class, some would say rich white man, right? And for the average person out there, we work for benefits. We work for a 401k. We work for health insurance. And even with some of the changes to the Obamacare law, that concept of free agency even if we wanted it, even if we think it's great, is still 10 to 15 years away. Our economy can't sustain it. People need help with the basic infrastructure in life. And that is, fortunately or not, still what work offers many of us. So you're also saying there, though, that free agency can offer that. Is that because it's cost prohibitive or it's time prohibitive? It's too hard running your own business and trying to come up with your own benefits? Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. As a woman who has her own portfolio career, I can do this because of the benefits that my husband has from his job in full-time employment. For me to think about running a business as a sole proprietor, becoming insured, making sure that if I trip and fall in my house, at the very least, I have some coverage on that, and then doing business development and then actually delivering the work is so unrealistic at this point. It's incredible. So there are some organizations out there that are trying to make this a little bit more realistic. There are associations. There are even temp agencies like Kelly Services and Manpower that try to offer professionals who want to have more portfolio-based assignments uh, some infrastructure, right? There are guilds out there, of course. But for the average person who's raising a family, you've got your bread kids, you've got to take them to the doctor, the you know, minivan needs an oil change, right. thinking about doing all of that work in your normal life and trying to be interesting and witty and going to a chamber of commerce mixer 
is ridiculous. And frankly, it's not worth it. So what I've seen from my perspective are a lot of people who have gone out of the workforce and have not returned. What they're doing is they're spending less money. They've made a decision to go bankrupt. They foreclosed on their home and they said, you know what, this time around, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to spend less, consume less, and live off of less money. So maybe that means part-time employment, or maybe that means going back to school and working as a teacher, but it's something different because the old way of working will, will not do for them. Well, it's it's interesting you say that because that you know jives with what government statistics are telling us right now too, right? Which is that more and more people are just quitting looking for that that next thing. You know, I'm thinking about college kids out there now, Lori. Uh, it, we we have more and more people chasing less and less jobs. What's uh, what should they be looking at now that maybe they didn't need as much a year ago? Right. So, um, you know, there are three million unfilled technical jobs out there right now that are just sitting out there. And so I think if you're someone who has a love of English or creative writing like I did, forget about that and become an engineer, right? Or um, school and become a doctor or do something technical, specialize in a field of science. Even if you're not you know, someone who's very good at science, there is a role for someone who's creative and has a little bit of interest in a scientific field. So I like pushing people down those career paths instead of saying, get your liberal arts degree, have $50,000 worth of student debt. And oh, by the way, when you get out of college, you're going to struggle to find a $15 an hour job. Forget it. Go be a radiation uh, technologist. Go work in healthcare. Do the things that are actually in demand out there. And it's not that hard to find out. You can go to Fast Company. You can go to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. You can see some of the jobs out there that are trending and tough to fill. For example, being a dental hygienist, that's an in-demand job right now. So maybe, maybe you love art guess what? You're probably going to love paying a mortgage a little bit more. So go be a dental hygienist. Love art in your spare time. Or get artistic with people's teeth, you know. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) So has the world changed much in 2012? We wanted to have you on today specifically, as you know, because it's December 31st episode. Um, Did the world change a lot in 2012 in the workplace in your view? No, I don't think so. I think there's still a lot of myths in the workplace that we've been fighting for the past five years or 10 years. For example, you have to be engaged. You have to follow your passion. You have to love what you do. Those are all myths, and they're all really um, snobby and unrealistic, and yet we uh, hear them every day, right? If you do what you love, the money will follow. Well, guess what? That's not how adulthood happens. And the other myth out there is you have to be fully engaged in your job in order to do a good job. And I think that's totally wrong. A, there's no real scientific data that proves that. Gallup will tell you that, but Gallup has a reason to tell you that. They're in the survey business, right? They want to survey employee sentiments. (laughs) From my perspective, there's been no long-term reliable study on happiness and engagement and productivity. So if you hear that at work, You're going to have to put up with that in 2012. You're going to have to put up with that in 2013. That kind of thinking isn't going away. And the only thing that changes is that if you're financially insecure, you have to play along with that nonsense for a little while longer until you figure out your life plan. Yeah. What about those people that think they have figured out their life plan and they're willing to take a job that doesn't uh, necessarily engage them, as as you say, but the um, they can't find the job out there. Then is, is free agency a good way for them to go? 
Well, I'm going to tell you, any job is a good job for a lot of people. And I've had this conversation with many long-term unemployed professionals who won't, and, and for a lot of reasons, won't go work a temp job, right, in a customer service department because there's um, a cost-benefit analysis that they do. They're on unemployment or they feel like their time is better spent full-time networking. I always believe that any job is better than no job. So even if you're earning $10 an hour in customer service and you have a background marketing, being part of the labor pool, whether you're a temp or you're on your own or a full-time employee, has so many benefits. You're developing a network, you're keeping your skills fresh, and you're fighting against what I think is something that's very prevalent in our society, which is discrimination against the unemployed. So if you have a job, you're more than likely to find another job. And so I tell people all the time, just get something under your belt, do it. And you don't need to be a rock star, right? So you're out there, you're working in customer service, you're working retail, do the best you can, have a work ethic, but you don't have to give your heart and soul to that. And then go try to find full-time employment if that's what you need. Yeah, that's interesting because you do seem a lot hotter. Man, if you're working right now, companies just eat that up. Ridiculous. And it's also inaccurate because you right. can be working because somebody hasn't had the gall to fire you yet, right? You may may be at the bottom of the bell curve. There are a lot of people who work who are awful, and they're considered past candidates, right? They're not looking. They're not looking because they have a really sweet gig. Nobody's up their butt trying to tell them to do any better. So I think there are a lot of misconceptions about the way people work and why they're working. We're speaking with HR guru Lori Rudiman. And Lori, my question, if somebody is working in a job where they're that they're not passionate about, what are some of the techniques then? If you say that that's not the way that adulthood works, what are some of the techniques people use to to get through it to make it exciting for them? I mean, is there is there a way to make it exciting, or is it just paying the bills is excitement enough? Right. Well, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, in 1995, I took a job as a human resources assistant because I was in college and faced with the fact that I was about to graduate with $50,000 in student loans. And I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a teacher. And so I was stuck in this weird creative space where I have this awesome degree in English and absolutely no skills. So I took this job in human resources and I hated it. I hated it all the way through 2007. But what I did in my spare time is I developed some hobbies. So I did animal rescue. I learned, you know, I took up running, for example. A lot of people have children and dedicate themselves to their children. But another thing that I did, I swear to God, it makes so much sense now. But at the time, I thought I was playing around. I started blogging. And from there, I was opening myself up to a new world of social media and people online who were either in human resources or really struggling with the HR people that they work with on a day-in, day-out basis. And it really inspired me to write and to speak and to do things in my free time that have led me to being able to support myself as this crazy woman that I am right now with a million different (laughs) careers who travels around the world and talks about work, money, power, and politics. So I think developing a hobby, not for the fact that you want to get a job out of it, but developing a hobby so that you're a well-rounded person can lead to all different kinds of experiences that you can't even imagine. Had I known that blogging would be a full-time job for me five years ago, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, that's not realistic. There's no data out there to support that. But honest to God, I am supporting myself today through my writing and my speaking. It's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah, that is that is very wild. Looking into your 
crystal ball for 2013. What tools should be on our mind more next year than maybe even this year? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've seen the recent numbers about how much debt that people carry in their personal lives. So I think at the very beginning, year. This is something that I always commit myself to doing. I really try to understand, okay, how am I spending my money and where is it going through budgets? Because most of us are too stupid to live to a budget, right? right. So, but for me, I know where every dollar I'm spending is going because that's a dollar I have to earn and to make up. So just get full on your basic financial life and understand why you're working. It's one of the single most important things that you can do at the beginning of the year. Do you know how few people Understand truly how much they earn because they don't understand. Okay, I yeah, I spend five hundred dollars a year at Starbucks and I'm going to the dry cleaner and I'm doing all these crazy things and it starts to you know erode the quality of life. And if you hate your job so much that you would do anything to get out of it, beginning of the year offers a really good timeline. Take advantage of some line tools and really get a hold of financial. Uh, portfolio. Yeah, that's some great advice. So here's here's my last question. You always have 5 million things going on. What's up next for Lori Rudiman? Well, that's a good question. Um, I am taking some time off in the first quarter and really focusing on writing. So normally I people would see me on the road at uh, media conferences or doing some uh, mainstream media. I'm tamping that down. I realize that when you have a million things on your plate, you don't do any of them well. So I'm really focused on writing in the first quarter. So that's what I'll be doing. That sounds like fun, especially when it's a little colder outside. That's right. I'm in North Carolina, so we have pretty mild winters. So I like it down here. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite regions. We tried to move there at one point. Speaking of uh, on a whole different topic, I'm an English major too. Yeah, Good luck with that. <laughs> 16 years as a financial planner, which by the way, Lori, I became a financial planner because I was an English major. That's right. You know what? You need it. You need those skills. That's for sure. They don't teach that in um, British Literature 101. That's right. As fascinating as it is. Well, thanks for being on the show today, Lori. I've, it, it was really fun getting your look into 2013 and, and 2012. Dude, anytime. And thanks again and Happy New Year. Thanks. You too. Hey, OG, you know what the best gift you can give yourself in 2013 is going to be? One of those new McLaren P1s that I saw on TV the other day. Either that or what PK is going to talk about during his final segment of 2012 here. Let's give it a listen. Okay. Happy end of the year, my friends. Are you all as surprised as me that the whole 2012 end of the world thing didn't pan out? Let me elaborate. I'm not surprised at all, but I think you knew that. Welcome to the special end of the year episode where I give you a tour of mementos from my corner of the basement and talk to you a little bit about what we learned. So settle in. You're going to get an inside look at the things we've learned here in 2012. And for starters, let's address the elephant in the room, or if you're in the mood for political jokes, the elephants who are conspicuously absent from the room. Billions upon billions of dollars were spent in the recent American elections for what roughly amounted to a stalemate. That's right. Continued Democratic control of the Senate, continued Republican control of the House, and Democratic control of the executive branch. We learned during that whole scenario that the rumblings about polling were, I mean, at least this year, 
just rumblings. Turn back the clock just a few weeks and you can find the segment that I did on that. When this segment, Fractional Sense, first started, we hadn't yet made our way down to the basement and we were part of a show which shall remain unnamed. Still, about a third of our 43 episodes were produced for the old show, so there are some true gems in the archives. For example, the three account method, the segment which started it all, is one that I'm particularly fond of. And if you're looking for an easy way to automate your funds, try my method, which entails just two checking accounts and a savings account. I'm also particularly proud of my segment on loyalty and how, at least when it comes to services, it pays not to have any. Of course, that isn't meant to be taken as marriage advice, but certainly cheating on your cell phone company is only going to help you. That's right, date and switch up frequently with your services, because loyalty only deflates your wallet. In the new show, we started off with a bang, talking about a Federal Reserve release on income during the recent recession, and followed up with a piece on the ideal savings rate. You know you've got to put those episodes in your iPod for any remaining holiday travel that you've got. And more recently... How could I forget my, in my humble opinion, hilarious piece on what is really scary during Halloween? Or, how about my piece on James Bond? He may be English, but my Irish side will let that episode slide. When it boils down to it, who am I kidding? Every past episode is worthy of another listen. We had not one, but two panelists. That's right, Joe and Dom both unmask themselves and go public with their identities. OG and myself, PK, of course, remain pseudo-anonymous two-letter acronyms. That doesn't change the fact that it was a hard-hitting year. So go, get your iPod, and load it up with Two Guys in Your Money episodes. You know how when you go to the gym in the new year and there are millions of new faces just coming off their New Year's resolution? I'd be shocked, absolutely floored in fact, if you couldn't pick up at least three actionable ideas from listening to our brilliant panelists over the last year. Easy things that will in no time become habits so you can check off your own resolutions. You know, we're a smart group, so steal our ideas. Here's to a happy 2013 and the continued growth of our listenership and your wallets. This is Steve Stewart from the Money Plan SOS podcast. You're listening to Two Guys and Your Money. Shaken, not stirred. Don't you think PK's got the right idea? I think the best thing to do is load up your iPod with old episodes of Two Guys and Your Money. Everybody's getting iPods, iPads, Kindles, Minis, MP3 players, computers... Don't All rot your medium. Don't rot your brain with those other podcasts. What other podcasts? <laughs> that is the point exactly, OG. Oh, I'd like I, to get Do you think we can get like 8 downloads this week? Have mom get the whole knitting club? I got a great idea speaking of that. Knitting? Uh, I will take a sweater. Let's give something away. We're not going to give away a sweater, but at the end of Holy cow, OG, at the end of today, we're going to be giving away a copy of the book Mommy Millionaire. Have you ever thought about ways to earn more money, OG? Have I? <laughs> <laughs> every minute of every day. That's all I think about, actually. Well, that's not true. <laughs> that's the second. Every other Most minute. common thing you think about. <laughs> right? 
Our giveaway is super easy to enter. We play a clip from a prior show. You tell us who you're listening to by heading to our giveaway page at thefreefinancialadvisor.com forward slash December. You can only get in this contest if you enter today, which is December 31st, 2012. And you, all you have to do to enter is tell us who this is. I can assure you I'm not working for the government ever. <laughs> well, hopefully that was fairly easy. I know it was easy for OG to cheat this month and listen to who that was. So, uh, dun, 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 dun. Rico. Dun, 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 dun. Suave. Well, you know, you were complaining about the fact that... Rich and smooth, baby. Rich and smooth. <laughs> Oh, it stinks so bad down here. Oh. You know, uh, we spent uh, so much time early in the month talking about me and, you know, the whole who I really am that I thought we had to give you your moment in the sun. So there you oh, go. Okay. And now we know who Rico Suave really is. So Moi. take your answer to thefreefinancialadvisor.com forward slash December. And when the ball in Times Square hits the bottom, we're going to pick our finalists for the coin flip, which will be on our next show. Two other ways you can enter today. You can tweet about the contest or the show, and you can also uh, become a Facebook friend. If you already are a Facebook friend, just head over to the contest page and click that you are our Facebook friend, and that's an easy entry too. This is Len Penzo, and I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm also cuckoo for two guys in your money, especially when they make me do the show naked. Well, before we cover our earnings from last year, I asked a few of our friends from around the Internet and our normal crew to give us their biggest lessons from 2012. So let's start with Ornella Gross. She's from the Moneylicious blog, OG. Okay. Ornella here from the Moneylicious blog. What should we have learned from 2012 about our financial picture or your financial picture, my financial picture? Well, here's what we should have learned. Avoid mainstream media. For me, I have met too many people, worked with too many people who focus so much on what goes on with mainstream media. And while it's important to understand what is going on with our government in regards to the decisions that need to be made, um, things we need to vote on, how it could impact you and the economy. While all that's important, my question to people is, do you have a plan in place? A plan enough that you can make adjustments. A plan enough that you are able to take advantage of potential growth and other opportunities that could open up in front of you? Or are you just worried about what's going on right now that you forget to plan for your future and still be able to take into account what goes on today? It's a delicate balance, I find, but do avoid focusing on mainstream media with all the political talk. It was, I heard way too much. Um, and it just wasn't helping people. There were people who I would ask, how do you file your taxes? They couldn't answer me that question correctly, but yet they were able to tell me what was going on on Fox News. Fine. But you need to know what goes on with your personal finances. So control what you can control. I find that to be one of the most important things. And that, to me, is one of the biggest lessons people should have learned from 2012. Thanks for that. Now, how about Paula Pant from Afford Anything in the Wealth Fast podcast? Paula? Paula? 
Hi there, this is Paula from AffordAnything.com, and I think the biggest financial lesson from 2012 can be seen when we look at the performance of the stock market over this past year. When the year began, the Dow Jones was at roughly 12,500. As we're ending the year, the Dow Jones is at about 13,000. If those numbers don't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. You don't have to be concerned with the numbers. What those numbers are saying is that the stock market hasn't moved very much. It's climbed upward slightly, and that's a good thing, but it hasn't made massive, tremendous gains. However, within the year, there were tons of fluctuations. Things went up, things went down, things went all around. That means that short-term investors, people who are only jumping into the market for a couple of months, or people who are trying to time the market, trying to figure out what week was hot and what week was not hot or not,、uh, you know, they subjected themselves to a lot of risk and may have lost money.、Um, and there's nothing wrong with losing money if you do it intelligently.、Uh, that those things happen from time to time, but. Investing short term puts you at a lot of risk. Taking the long term view allows you to make money, as people who stayed in for all of 2012 did, allows you to make money、um, while not panicking about all of these little short term fluctuations and not exposing yourself to the volatility and the risk that being in it just for a, the short haul exposes you to. Anyway, the big lesson here. Is be in it for the long haul. I think if you look at what happened in the stock market this year, that really, really illustrates the point. Thanks, Average Show, for letting me talk your ear off for a couple seconds. This is Paula from AffordAnything.com. Have a happy New Year. Well, those are some fantastic thoughts about 2012. What about Barb Freeberg from Barb Free Barb? <laughs> Oh, gee, I almost had her come from BobFriedberg dot com. That's probably not the right site, is it? I don't know. I doubt it. Yeah. But、uh, do you think her? Never mind. We'll say she's from BarbaraFriedberg dot com. Hi, Joe. Barb Friedberg here from BarbaraFriedbergPersonalFinance dot com. Thanks for asking me about the financial lessons of two thousand twelve. I loved this question. But before I tell you what the lessons are, take a trip with me back in my time machine, where I go to Kiplinger's magazine back in 2011, and see what they had to say were the forecasts for the stock market in 2012. They said at Kiplinger's that the stock market would return about eight or nine percent this year, and guess what? They were wrong. The stock market. The S and P 500 in 2012 advanced almost double, to、uh, to about 15 percent. So what's the takeaway? The lesson is this: Don't listen to predictions. Nobody can predict the future. With regard to your investments, be systematic. Choose an asset allocation that's in line with your risk tolerance and your age. For example. If you're in your 30s or 40s and you can take some risk, put 60% in a stock index fund and 40% in a bond index fund, and then invest regularly. 
over time, your wealth will grow. Don't worry about whether the market goes up or the market goes down or the economy is good or the economy is bad. Because if you try and jump in and jump out of the market whenever you hear a change or a different report on the news, you have to be right twice. Once going in, once going out. And then when do you go back in again? Just keep it simple. Keep investing through thick and thin and your wealth will grow. Now go on. Have a happy new year. Bye. And you know, this is the special one. You're going to get a kick out of this. Guess who else is going to tell us their lesson from 2012? Hillary Clinton. This is a good one. We asked and she sent it, but the file was just horrible. I mean, that But one, she was really sick and wasn't able to make it. No, I'll tell you the thing about Hillary is that she doesn't speak in public that much, so we couldn't use the clip. <laughs> I mean, it just we, we might give her a few lessons on how to yeah. do she, more. She had, she had the flu and bumped her head right <laughs> before she had to testify. I mean, uh, right before she had to uh, come on our podcast. Uh, so uh, this is a guy who has made the coin flip several times, a blogger. Oh, it's that uh, dude that always wins. Always wins, but like, actually never wins. He always makes a coin flip, but he's only won a contest once. Lance. 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 Or he's money. always in the running. Absolutely. Lance or money, life, and more. So, Lance, take it away, man. I learned a pretty important lesson in 2012 about my financial picture. It might seem a bit counterintuitive considering I feel like I do pretty good with my finances. I really wish I would have started earlier. I hear a lot of people saying that, but in reality, is it ever really too early to start? There were a couple key things in 2012 that really made me realize that this is what I learned about my financial picture. The first one is my side gig. I've been thinking about starting my side gig for quite a while, but I just really didn't think I could pull it off. I didn't think I could make money from it. It'd be fun, but it'd be a lot of work. Well, I'm really glad I started to put all that work in because it has succeeded beyond my wildest dreams so far. There's a lot I can still do to improve, and I'll still be putting a lot of hard work into it. But if I had just started it a year or two earlier, how much further would I be now? How much more successful would my business be right now if I had just started earlier? The other item that I really wish I had started earlier on this year is helping save money to pay off my girlfriend's student loans. We've been together for about four years and we'll be getting married hopefully sometime soon. She has this big student loan debt that scares her and myself a little bit. She owes about $60,000 and we really want to be able to pay that student loan debt off as soon as possible. So what I did this year was I set up a savings account just to put money in to pay off her student loans once we get married. If I'd started earlier, I can only imagine the extra money that would be in that account because whenever I get some extra income, I just throw it in that account. It gets us that much closer to our goal of having her student loans paid off. It's a lot of money, but I think we might be able to do it next year. So take a lesson from me, and in 2013, start earlier. Start saving for retirement earlier. Start paying down your debt earlier. Start yesterday. It's the best time to start. Awesome. Nice job, Lance, for his first time behind the mic, huh? Sounded like a million bucks. Sounds like he's got the voice of a velvet god. There he is. Well, close. Maybe a demigod.
you know, you and I are more on the God status. Yeah, well. And on that note, our good friend Dominique Brown from Your Finances Simplified. Dom? Dominique Brown from YourFinancesSimplified.com. And like many of us, you're probably thinking about your financial picture for 2013. Some have looked at me for advice, and I got to tell you, I'm damn short on that commodity. You know, with the absence of progress on a fiscal cliff issue, no word on spending cuts, only a brief, you know, talk about the euro crisis. It kind of makes anything, any predictions very difficult. China's growth seems to be slowing, whatever that's supposed to mean. Japan is facing some financial problems on their economy. And we're in, over here in America, we're talking about you know, possibly another round of quantitative easing. So how things will play out is difficult to determine with any degree of certainty. So what's the takeaway? What should we have learned from 2012 about our financial picture? Well, You should have learned that there will always be uncertainty. There will be no shortage of it in the news. That's how they make money. Nothing is exciting about how awesome things are. Nothing is exciting about telling people how great you are. People like a story. Think about it for a second. Would you watch a show or movie if it was all sunshine and rainbows? So what can you do about it? Well, you can't stop things from happening around the world. Trust me, I have tried. Matter of fact, look at any Marvel or DC comic character. They have tried to stop stuff from happening in the world a lot. And it never happens. Now that we got the fact that you're not a cartoon or a superhero out the way, let's focus on what we can control, our personal economy. Do me a favor. Think of three achievable goals that you can accomplish in 2013. Write them down, then break those one-year goals down into monthly milestones, then work towards those milestones. That's it. That's what you do. That's the takeaway. At the end of the day, there will always be uncertainty, but it's what you do in the face of it that matters. Hey, OG, there's a few other people that uh, are frequent contributors to the show that we have to thank for their help in 2012 and really excited to continue working with them in 2013. First of all, you hear his bass guitar all the time. That's MMD from My Money Design. Uh, great bass guitar player, also a great blogger, so check out My Money Design. Also, we can't forget Dave Hilton, who does our announcer work on the show did just some great stuff. He not only is a disc jockey, he is a financial conflict coach is the financial conflict coach. So make sure you check out his site. Thank you, Dave. Dave also has another site called debt black hole, which is a, uh, awesome website about, uh, where, um, geekery meets finance. Uh, and then our contributors who are usually on and for different reasons, weren't able to help us today on the last episode. Um, Carrie Smith from Careful Sense and just about everywhere else. Uh, Carrie, thank you very much for your help in 2012. Carrie's going to be back with us in two weeks, which is cool. Uh, also, Dr. Dean uh, from the Millionaire Nurse blog. Dr. Dean is running for Georgia State Senate. That's pretty cool. I know. We can say we knew him when. We knew him before yeah. he was State Senator yeah. Dr. Dean Burke. Finally, 
our joker himself in the center square, Mr. Len Penzo, who was super busy here and wasn't able to uh, help on this last episode. But obviously we couldn't have done it without any of those guys this year. So big thanks to all them. All right, it's that very special time, the time that everyone waits for in our shows. <laughs> our big top five. And this week, it's your and my top five lessons that we learned in 2012. And 2012 okay. was a big year. I mean, we went through some of that goofy stuff, but it was a wild year for the stock market, OG. Some really good highs and... Uh some crappy lows, I guess. I don't know. It seemed like the market the market did pretty good, though. The market did end up very well, despite what the media said. The, the other thing that was a trend this year was interest rates really never came up. You anywhere. know, a lot of people expected interest rates to start flying by now, and they're still uh, down really low. Not going anywhere. And I don't think it's going to, right? The U.S. government owes too much money, and every change in interest rates affects them just like it affects you and me. So... Hard road to, to hoe. Well, speaking of a hard road to hoe, let's go through this hard road of our top five. Number five. Who's going first? Me? Yeah, take it on. All right. So my top five, uh, my number five, rather, is to invest in what you know. Make your life simpler. There's so much stuff going on. Uh, I appreciate that now as uh, as my kids continue to get older by the nanosecond and our lives are busier and busier and busier and gambling with your financial future by investing in things that you don't necessarily have any huge expertise in. I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and he said, I want to I wanna start investing in rental real estate. And I said, oh, well, do you know anything about rental real estate? And he said, not a thing. And I said, well, me neither. So maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, let's stick with the things that we do know. What was Try it to make about, your life easier. What was it about 2012 that brought that on? Well, I think that uh, it just continue, there, there continues to be a focus on additional and alternative types of investing, uh, di- just different things. I mean, you hear about it, the latest and greatest type of stuff at conferences or on CNBC or, you know, and I think everybody's looking for that silver bullet or the holy grail. And at the end of the day, sometimes it's great just to have a $10,000 or $100,000 stock position that's paying you 3.5% dividends and off you go. You're right. The hot thing seemed to swirl a lot more this year, didn't it? You know, you'd hear gold, silver, real estate. I mean, everybody, you're right, seemed to be looking for the hot thing. And it was. Like what's going to be the one this year? Or what's going to be the newest thing that's, that's not out? So. Yeah, there were a ton of them. My number five is don't base decisions on the government. We ended up with a big impasse the whole year long between Democrats and Republicans, and there was a constant struggle for what was actually going to happen. And still here, as we're taping a few days before the year end, OG, we're not sure what's going to happen. We think that this fiscal cliff is going to happen. PK thinks the fiscal cliff is overblown. Nobody really knows. But don't base your decisions on that. Base your decisions on what's happened and make sure that you're set up for the worst while you hope for the best, right? Right. Number four. Uh, my number four is to stay your course. Uh, whatever is the path that you're on, don't be discouraged. Don't be uh, uh, dismayed by short-term fluctuations in price. You know, investors who had investments on January 1st and barring any huge changes, people who had an S&P 500 fund on January 1st and who have it today and didn't do anything with it 
have been handsomely rewarded. It's been a really good year for the S&P. Yeah, contrary to all the, what what do you call it, all the financial pornography, you know, that's on CNBC and all the financial stations. My number four is that education is a cost-benefit game. More than ever, OG, I mean, you saw at the start of the year uh, and into last year people really complaining, but I think the debate got really hot this year about student loan debt. People that went into college seem to believe that if they took on more debt and got more education, that that would lead to a high-paying job. And in a lot of cases, that's true, but it's only true if you're in a major where there's a big need for work and you found ways to make yourself presentable. If you're in a career field where there's not many people hiring – it's that student loan debt didn't mean anything. So I, I think more than ever, a big learning for me for 2012 is if you've got kids going to college, you need to sit them down and talk cost benefit before they go into college, not after. And they need to know that uh, underwater basket weaving is a noble profession, but it's not going to keep the lights on. You know, and I think that I think that unfortunately, a lot of times, at least I see it as as having clients of that have college age children, I see them say, well, you know, little Johnny, he's going to focus on what he wants to focus on. No, we support him no matter what he wants to do. I've got a client that goes to school, a really high end private school, and he's studying the equivalent of underwater basket weaving. And his parents are forking over 50 grand a year for him to go to school. And he's two years into it. He'll graduate in four, four and a half years, like everybody else with a degree in the equivalent of underwater basket weaving. And then he'll say, but now what, mom? Now I owe two hundred thousand dollars, or you know, more interestingly, mom and dad have paid this, and now they're gonna, you know, he's gonna live with them because there's no jobs in Japanese anime or whatever. I'm just making it up. But I saw a lot of financial yeah. writers this year talk about discouraging people from going into those fields, and for me, I don't think that's that's the right approach. I think it's okay to have people follow their dream. Right. But the big thing, they have to know the economic reality before they get into it. So if, if Yeah, what's the plan? Yeah, so if my daughter wants to be a underwater basket weaver, we have to sit right. down beforehand. I think it's my job if I'm talking about being supportive as a parent, it is my job to sit down and talk about what the economic reality of that decision is going to B. What's that going to look like on the other end of the spectrum? And lots of right. great places for those statistics. The uh, Department of Labor has a yeah, great Bureau database. Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS.gov. Yeah, we'll show Bureau you everything statistics. from your chance of getting a job to the median income to everything. Right, right. Yeah, we could talk about this for hours, I think. Number three. Uh, my number three is similar to number four. Uh, so my number four would stay the course. My number three is do your own thing and follow your own goals. So it's kind of counterintuitive <laughs> to what I just said about the college. Uh, I'm talking mainly about investing. At some level, you have to realize that it's not all about the what everybody else is doing. You know, you got to do your own thing and, and uh, you got to follow your own stuff. My, uh, I have a client who's a person I know very well who has beat the heck out of me for not buying Apple stock ever since September. Oh my gosh, it's down to 650. We should buy it. Like, nah, not yet. Oh my gosh, it's down to 600. We definitely should buy it now. It was 700 a week ago. Nope. The clients who have a position in, let's say Apple, for example, didn't buy it when it was $700 because it was the cool thing to own. No matter what's going on, just, just do what's for you. You know, take care of yourself. 
Yeah, you and I are both big fans of well-known investor named Sir John Templeton. And what I loved about Templeton, and I know that you like too, OG, is that his basic philosophy was if everybody else is looking right, that means I automatically look left. You're number three. <laughs> I almost nice played try. it. Yeah. Nice try. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my number three is that we went a full year with interest rates really low. But my number three is that cash reserves still matter. And it's mm. sad because I was reading in the newspaper this morning about another factory laying off 650 people. And mm. if you took some advice that I have seen over and over through the year about ways to spike your cash reserve or get higher rates or your cash reserve is not about the interest rate. It's about making sure that your bases are covered so that you can invest money without worrying about it. And uh, cash reserves, 2012, even in low interest rates, it still matters. Number two. Isn't that wild how that sprung up on us? It's almost like I started playing it early. It was like it was like queued up. I know. Uh, So my number two is kind of like what you were saying before. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Uh So that's a Warren Buffett quote. Yours was from Templeton. John Templeton. You know, you look at some of the asset classes that have performed well this year. You look at some of the individual positions that have performed well this year uh, and the ones that hadn't. And I think it's pretty interesting to to look and see Apple stock, Facebook stock. Everybody wants Facebook. Eh, everybody's greedy. Like, whoa. You know, and now and that Facebook is down to like 18 bucks a share. Everybody says the worst thing imaginable. Eh, you know, same thing with Apple, right? Hit $700, it's going to a million. This is a very anecdotal, unscientific approach. When people who you you follow on Facebook or your friends on Facebook start posting pictures of stock performance, like if I would have put $10,000 in Apple in 2000, I'd have 600 million today. If I put it in Microsoft, I'd have 6,000 today. When that guy starts commenting about how awesome Apple stock is, because you know he didn't buy it in 2000, it's time to go. <laughs> My number two is markets aren't what you read. And if we look, like you said, at the S&P 500 this year, by any metric, the S&P 500 had a fantastic year. Unless something has happened in the last day or two of the year here, S&P 500 had a wonderful year. And yet, if you read the popular press, OG, uh, that wasn't the case. Their job is to sell advertising, right? And the and, and, and advertising in the newspaper and on te- television does not sell if you say, everything seems to be doing well, so... Move on. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Fiscal cliff. The market volatility. Uh, somebody said to me once, they said, just imagine if financial writers were in charge of the elevator. And you got in the elevator, and your only two choices instead of up or down were soar or plummet, right? Those are funny. The the ones, the market plummets 2.8 points. The Dow Jones soars on better-than-expected job news up 13 points. You're like, come on, use a different adjective. But you're right. On a boring day, they can't say, hey, why don't you go watch some reality TV and come back tomorrow? Advertisers right. As a tend point, not at, to like at, that. As a point of reference, uh, today uh, today the market's down 90 basis points. It's down 1% right now as we're recording this. We're And the market's still up 13.75% for the year. It's a great year. Great year of the market. Number one. Woo-hoo. Hey, this is our last number one of the year. Happy it's New Year, OG. Year. Hmm. Um, 
Was was the one right before this my last number two of the year too? <laughs> God, you, you just like tee it up, man. I can't. I can't help it. I just can't help it. It has to be said. My number one, while you compose yourself, is even when you're right, you can still be wrong, which is my cryptic way of saying we knew going into uh, the election that. Well, I can't say we knew. I had a very sneaky suspicion that I knew what was going to happen depending on who won, right? And all of that played out, but we were off by a day on either end. When we made the investments Thursday after the election and then sold right before Thanksgiving, the net result was that we were even money, even though during that period the market went down and, and we were trying to profit from the market going down. So we had an investment that was right. So we knew it was going to be right but we were still wrong because the timing was off by half a day on either end. Add a trading cost on both ends of that. Bada boom, bada bing. You're even money. You didn't make anything. You waste a lot of time and energy. So I guess that ties everything together for me is that sometimes you just got to stay the course. Even if you even if you think something short term is going to happen, sometimes you know you need to be a little counter the rest of the herd like you were saying. Or take a longer it, view. Yeah, take a longer view. And at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to realize that sometimes you can be right and ultimately end up still being wrong, you know, when it all shakes out. So that was a big learning for me this year. Well, there was a lot of that in 2012. I mean, you could point to a lot of news and still have that same number one learning. My number one learning is that bad things can happen. And I'm certainly not referring to some of the horrible things like uh, it's at Sandy Hook Mm -hmm. Elementary. Uh, or the hurricane, but more of the little things happen in my life, like my nephew who broke his arm, you know, um, or my my aunt who successfully beat cancer. Congratulations. All right. But uh, overall, there's just a lot of things that can – you look at the world every day, and there's so many things that can happen. My big learning this year, OG, is that protecting yourself – still is an incredibly important part of your financial plan. And it's still the part we all want to forget. It's the part we don't want to talk about, making sure that everything from your estate in place to the disability coverage, making sure that when bad things happen that you're that you're all set up. That's my big learning from 2012. everybody you made it through another episode of two guys in your money and everybody who's <laughs> new to the show it's a little bit different episode og a little different today but still i think we gave them the flavor whatever the hell that means i don't know but it, it has you, to do with the uh, a big clock yes uh, to give you more of the flavor of the show uh, what you should expect from here on out is zero financial tips because at this point on, we're all about movies. It is uh, it is movie time, isn't it? We're recording this on your birthday. Today is my birthday. Yep. Happy happy birthday! What are you going to do on your birthday? Well, I had a pretty actually a, a, a pretty actually I had a pretty awesome plan actually until uh, I was alerted to the fact that everybody's half a day today at school. So um, when I'm done recording this, 
I hit end, and then I got to go pick up my kids. And so I think we're going to watch a lot of Curious George's Christmas. Excellent. That's exactly what you're thinking. Well, this is this is the movie you're hoping to see right here. This is uh, the brand new Tom Cruise movie, Jack Reacher. used to be. He doesn't care about proof. He doesn't care about the law. He only cares about what's right. He knows what I did. You can't protect me. No one can. That's the movie Jack Reacher. Sounds exciting. Certainly a, certainly a guy movie, right? I'd like to see that one. I want to see the uh, This is 40, I think would be kind of fun. Oh, that looks hilarious. Paul Rudd, just uh, that dude cracks me up. Right. Yeah, me too. Now, uh, on Jack Reacher, have you read any of those books? I know those come from a series of novels. No, uh-uh. I didn't know that. Yeah, in fact, I was reading somebody you know, online. Of course, there's negative people everywhere that was upset about Tom Cruise, of course, being Jack Reacher. But without the novel reference, because I haven't read the novels either, man, he looks great. Um, uh, awkward. What's awkward? Oh, that he looks great? Oh, you mean in the movie? Yes. As as a cast for the movie. Okay, okay. No, don't get me wrong. He looks like he's very handsome, too. But still, I think he just... I hope I look that good at 50. You know he's 50. Is he really? Yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise is fitty, man. No, I don't. I didn't know it was based on a book. Although I suppose a lot of things are these days. Uh, it looks looks interesting. I kind of like those uh, military style, whatever movies. You do. So. You like the point where drama meets action. Yeah. Uh, I tend to like movies like this one. This is uh, Silver Lining Playbook, which I saw this last week. Hey, what's this? Can you tell me you took him out? The court said yes. Yeah, but what did the doctor say? Can I do an interview for a school project on mental illness? No. I'm ready. I feel motivated. I don't feel so angry all the time. The whole time you're rooting for this Hemingway guy to survive the war and to be with the woman that he loves. It's four o'clock in the morning, Pat. I can't apologize. I will apologize on behalf of Ernest Hemingway because that's who's to blame here. Yeah, have Ernest Hemingway call us and apologize to us, too. Brad, you have to have a strategy. I hate my illness, and I want to control it. I hope you're okay with Ron, because this is coming over. Tiffany and that Tommy. That is Tiffany. What happened to Silver Lining Playbook, and I saw that last week. Kind of sounds funny. Is it a funny movie? It, it is a funny movie in a dark way. It's about mental illness. Uh, it's Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. And, of course, you heard Robert De Niro there plays the dad. Right, okay. A lot of other actors and actresses you've you've heard of before. I went into this movie just seeing the fact that it got a good Rotten Tomato score. In fact, I am known in the little town I live in, a Texarkana, as the guy that writes nasty letters. <laughs> In fact, I got a couple dumb stories. Dear Cable Company. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that one another day. Sometimes the, the town is so small, though, that our little <laughs> Cinemark movie theater, won't name them by name, but they might be called something close to Cinemark, treats us 
like we are morons out here. And they only brought this this great movie, this fantastic movie, for like three or four days. And I went and saw it, and the theater was full. I had to. I was in Dallas for something else, three hours away from home. The theater I was in was full of people. Everybody in that theater seemed to be totally into this movie. Just incredible. I come back here. You know what we've got? Avengers. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, uh, Kevin James movie, uh, Lower the Boom, or Here Comes the Boom, or whatever the yeah. one the one where he's a wrestler he's an mma wrestler <laughs> that movie's oh, from right, like, like september or something yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i saw the movie i thought it was funny i thought it was stupid what the hell is that movie still doing here in december when this awesome movie silver lining playbook probably og when i walked out of that movie i said that's my favorite movie of the year to cheryl hmm. and you know okay. what here a week later i still think that's my favorite movie of the year i would have sounds like a sounds like a letter's coming I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, dear Cinemark, you gave me the wonderful opportunity to go to AMC theaters to see this movie. Little, ang- I'm becoming the angry old man, you know? But Silver Lining Playbook, uh, a clear thumbs up for me. Bradley Cooper there is a guy who's haunted by mental illness, meets a woman who also has mental health problems. And the two of them – you know what? The story, if I tell you the story – the story is just a straightforward, formulaic, boring st- – this is not about the story. It's about the characters because Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. is fantastic saying, I'm not going to apologize for Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> you know. And uh, Robert De Niro is this dad who has this obsession with the Philadelphia Eagles. And so mm. all of these characters are bigger than life and it's just – it's a really fun film. Silver Lining Playbook, if you get a chance to see that, uh, please do. That's the end, isn't it? I got nothing else on my sheet, OG. Thankfully. No, I mean, uh, that's too bad. <laughs> Isn't it? We could go for hours and hours. Not talking about anything important, though. We could we could BS for a couple hours. 2000, sure. 2013. We've got a lot of big stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah, website should be good. We've got a couple of new, couple of new projects coming. Yep. Specific. Interesting, interesting projects. Two specific ones that we can talk about in a very g- generic way. We do know that the – how about that, huh? Very specifically – wait. I'm going to tell you very specifically how generic I can be. Wasn't that great? this cool thing. Wasn't that great how good I got at PR doublespeak my, all my time in the media? I can very, very generically talk about very specific things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We are going to change yes. something. Things are going to be different. Uh, the – Website will be getting a facelift in 2013. Mm-hmm. We can confirm that. And then the second thing is we will start having webinars based on our areas of expertise. And those webinars are going to help people that need a little more than they get from just going to the website. Certainly, we'll have all the cool free information at The Free Financial Advisor, since that's our name. We'll have a ton mm-hmm. of that there. But we're also going to have a step up coming for people that want a little more hand-holding. That'll be fun. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to it, OG. Well, let's go upstairs with Mom and Dad and join the party. Kids champagne. (laughs) Happy New Year, man. Thanks, buddy.
All right, you know, I thought I think it would be fun, but probably not appropriate for the regular show, but for our super secret portion of the show here, the after show. Mm-hmm. Let's. Uh, and by the way, if you're brand new to the after show, this is the part that we don't talk about, the part that doesn't exist. Uh, you are not allowed to tell your friends about it. Do not talk yeah. about the after show. What I happens in the? Let me. What happens to the after show? G stays in the after show. But uh, so today's my birthday, and uh, my wife made these chocolate cupcakes. So she makes the world's greatest chocolate cake, and we've decided that it's so much easier for the kids and everything just to make cupcakes than it is to make like a cake, and then you know to cut up the cake. You just give a kid a cupcake, and they're all sitting there, and I have yet to have one, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make it another few minutes. Those babies are going down. Yeah, down the hatch. Yesterday, I went out for dinner by myself because I had a long, crappy day, and I uh, went out with some friends, and I got two chocolate lava cakes for dessert. Oh, two so had, with a side well, of Tom's. They were small. What's that? A side of Tom's? No, no, no. I had lamb chops, lamb chops, and broccoli, <laughs> and then two chocolate lava cakes. They're only probably like two inches across, so they're kind of small. A little scoop of chocolate ice cream. Oh yeah. So I ate it, and, and the waitress comes back. She goes, "You know, how's everything?" And I said, "That's fine." I said, "Can I have another one of these?" She goes. Was that? Can I have a? Can I have another one? She's like, "Was something wrong with this one?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's gone. I would prefer to have another one." So she had to like call the kitchen because they're like, "No mistake, table number three wants another chocolate lava cake." So we're just sitting here on the New Year's episode. I'm sure people listen to this. They have just minutes to go until the ball starts dropping in Times Square. Uh, even the awkward New Year's. Moments. I've got one that's a little off color. Uh, when I was a kid, it, it's it's not terribly bad, but it's ir- irresponsible. But I was like 13, so what are you going to do? My parents were having a New Year's Eve party at their friend's house. And somehow I talked my mom into letting me go to my friend's house. But he, in turn, was going to his friend's house. So I ended up at another party, basically. And I'm like seventh grade or something. The group of people that were having this party were clearly high high school, early college kids. Oh, no. So they were partying like seniors in high school or or freshmen in college. They might not have been that old, but to a 13-year-old, it certainly seemed that way. So there was a little peer pressure going on. So I succumbed to the peer pressure of the New Year's Eve party. Uh, Somehow in that process, I got sucker punched. So I had a big shiner, huge shiner, right? So eventually it's time to go home, right? So, you know, so I called my mom and I said, hey, you know, it's time for you to come pick me up. Embarrassing thing number one, right? Or probably number six. But my mom shows up. She's kind of upset because I'm not at the place where she left me. I come running out. Now, I am pretty hammered for a 13-year-old. <laughs> I come running out this door and I'm doing like the sideways run. You know, like when you really, when you do like oh, the dizzy no. bat thing. You know, and you're trying to run the bases. Oh, no. So I'm, do- I'm doing the si- sideways run, and I can't understand why my mom's car is getting further and further away as, f- as, as fast as I'm running. I should be, I should be closing. Bam! <laughs> right into the car. Full speed. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Oh. So I played it off for a little while, and then finally I think my mom figured it out, and, uh, and then the next day wasn't pleasant because I was like, Never, I'd never had any, you know, alcohol in my entire life. Yeah, so right, right. whatever I had, two glasses of champagne or something, you know, and I probably, you know, I don't remember all the details, but I remember that 
that uh, I, I felt like such an ass at my parents' friends party. I mean, I was a I was a drunk thirteen year old, you know, and I could tell my parents were embarrassed, and I felt like bad, and uh, it was it was very embarrassing. Oh, that's horrible! I don't think my mom remembers about it. I, I get a headache just thinking about that, and I imagine your mom uh, gave it to you pretty hard too afterwards. Yeah, they kind of let it go, um, as I remember, but uh, but maybe not. I can't exactly remember how it all. How, you know, that was. <laughs> Thirteen was a long time ago. So yeah, but uh, you're an old man now, birthday boy. Anyway, yep. That's My fun. awkward New Year's moment uh, happened Waiting for your child to leave just after college, that. and my brother and I were disc jockeys together, and we got this this uh, bar nightclub magazine, and it was one of the few New Year's Eves that we had taken off specifically because we had done so many new year's parties together for like four or five years in a row for then, like you said earlier in the show, that that's a long period of time, you know? Uh, so we wanted to actually have a new year's where we got to hang out and party. So, well, we also had these DJ magazines and in the back they had all these cool, uh, stuff for the bar. And so you always had these new drinks where there was a drink called a blue motorcycle and it had, uh, Gasoline flavored, Grand Marnier, blue. uh, What's it called? Blue Curacao. um, Curacao, yeah. uh, uh, Hawaiian Punch. um, uh, Think of just fruity stuff, and it tasted like you were drinking a fruit drink. And this thing was all alcohol with just a little bit of the pineapple and a little bit of the Hawaiian Punch. And my my girlfriend, who is now my spouse. Said <laughs> that this is the embarrassing New Year's moment. All of a sudden, my brother Tony and I—we're gone from the party. We're just—we're just gone. Can't find us anywhere. No idea. Look outside of our apartment window. Here's my brother and I in the parking lot, hugging and crying. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. Oh man, I love you. I love oh. you. I woke up the next day with a splitting headache, and I don't remember any of that. I I just, she's like, yeah, you and your brother are just hugging each other and patting each other on the back, and just, she's, she's like, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. Isn't it funny how times change? You know, Uh, on New Year's Eve this year, we've got, we've got some friends coming over, but, uh, but they're bringing their kids. You know, I mean, it's like it's a kids party for the five and six year old. And that's funny because our friends all have kids like ours that are older, except there's one that has a, a younger uh, child that will be that will have a uh, babysitter elsewhere. But it's mm-hmm. just the parents uh, uh, getting together to play games. We're actually going to have a Ticket to Ride party. We're going to just have a dinner together, play Ticket to Ride. Uh, we have about 10 people, so we'll have two tables of Ticket to Ride, and we'll just keep changing up the tables and then uh, you know come up with some championship kind of thing. Uh, should be a good time. Yeah, fun. We, um, uh, I'm gonna have to pick your brain and, ki- and and pick up another pick up another party game because we've got Ticket to Ride Jamaica, which is fun, and uh, Pony Express and things. So we've got those four, and we'll have six adults. So so we're doing the same thing. Have dinner at our house, and the kids, you know, the kids won't eat anything. They'll run around and eat cookies and and horse around with one another, and that's our plan. So well, speaking of that, man, let's get to our parties. All right. All Happy right. New Year. Happy New Year. Everybody. See you next year. Woo-hoo. 
Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.